Amen. Before you're seated, let's celebrate that we can be children of God through Jesus Christ. Let's praise God for that. It is a day to celebrate. Happy Mother's Day to you moms. And one other thing before we move on, it's a day to celebrate also because it's this guy's birthday. Let's praise God for Ben. You may be seated. I would sing, but that's his job. You don't want me to start that, okay? Uh, also, hey, Ben Harris, if you're watching online, happy birthday to you. Ben is our student minister who's just going to graduate from Ozark in just a, a few days. His birthday was Friday. So both Bens are celebrating their birthdays this week. Aren't they getting so old? You know what I'm saying? All right. It's great that these young guys are with us on staff. And happy Mother's Day. Um, today we're wrapping up a series called Improving Your Serve. And I pray this has challenged you. I pray that if you took uh, one of those cotton cloths home with you last week that you've realized it's meant to be a, a servant towel instead of a bib you're wearing. If you weren't here, maybe you're online, we have extra towels that you can pick out to be a reminder that we're to be serving, improving our serve. But one thing is I was merging this concept of improving our serve in Mother's Day. This hit me like a ton of bricks. Some of the greatest examples of a servant over my lifetime that I've seen have been moms. There's just something about a mom and their family in the context of church and their children where they just step up and are great servants of God. And I just want to thank you, moms, for being excellent servants. Too often, your faithfulness to service is underappreciated or unappreciated. And you need to be honored and celebrated in that. Uh, there was a study about how to honor moms and all the things they do, all their duties they perform. And this guy on the internet began to uh, compile a list of things that the average mom does and how much time they spend doing that. And they tried to place a calculate a cash value on the services they would provide and what the annual cost would be. The duties of mom could be things like this. They're a chauffeur for the family, gardener, maintenance worker, housekeeper, cook, bookkeeper, uh, interior decorator, caterer, dietitian, secretary, hostess, event planner. And, and that was just to name a few. This year it exploded. At our house, uh, a mom became, Tiffany became the teacher, the principal, the family counselor, the coach, the referee, and, and the executive resource director of all ration COVID products. You know what that's a fancy word for? She distributed the toilet paper during COVID, okay? That, that was an intense job of some of you moms. Uh, dads, you may do the same things, but there is a high value of all the things many of you moms do that we underappreciate often. This website tried to put a value, a monetary value on the annual cost of that. This guy estimated that it would cost $1,212 a week to provide those services to our families. That is $63,000 a year plus. I told Tiffany, it's not in the budget, so don't get excited, you know? But moms, you do so much. We're so thankful for you. Let's face it, it's a tough job. But you shape our families, our homes, our faiths by your service and your love. Hey, it's been said that there's no other force that affects a child any greater than the influence of a mother serving and loving. There's just nothing that influences a child greater a teacher was giving a, a second grade class a lesson on magnetism. She was talking about all the things that magnets do, uh, how to spell the word and what they do in their properties. And they spent like a couple days on this, on this uh, section on magnetism and magnets. At the end of the session, she was doing a little riddle and she wanted the kids to, to recall the word magnet, you know? And she says, okay, uh, I'm gonna give you this riddle. Who am I? Uh, my name starts with M and I pick up things. 
And a little, a little segregated thought for a second. I know what you are. You're a mom. She was hoping for Mag. Now, you get the joke, right? I guess it's a terrible joke. But anyways, sometimes we overlook what's right in front of us. I want to pray for you moms right now and, and you families. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for today and the fact we could gather here. Help us to see what's right in front of us, this call to be a servant. Let us learn from examples around us, uh, first of all from Jesus, but often from moms and dads, families. Lord, be with these families today that um, are celebrating. Also be with those that are hurting, ones that have lost moms. I pray for those watching online that may be alone right now, can't even be around anyone for different reasons. Father, be with us as we uh, strive for relationships to to be brought back to normal. Uh, Be with those that have lost loved ones, uh, especially this year. God, uh, those moms uh, that are struggling, I pray that you give them an extra dose of encouragement and energy. Be with the ladies uh, that desire to be moms. Whatever way, Lord, uh, open doors, whether it's biologically or through adoption or foster care, that they would have an impact. I thank you for so many ladies that are spiritual mothers. Bless them today. Let them know their great value. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, as much as we've been blessed by moms, I wanted just to consider the reality. There are many children in our area that don't have a parental figure at all. They not only don't have a mom, they don't have a dad, they don't have grandparents, and they need our service. If we're going to improve our serve in one area, there's something that I believe God honors to a high level is the idea of protecting uh, the orphan and those who are fatherless and motherless. Last week, we talked about this truth in Deuteronomy 27. It says, cursed is anyone who denies justice to the foreigner, orphans, or widows. Guys, it's not only, well, that's wrong. The word of God says there's a curse on those who deny justice. And there's a great justice that comes when a child who is alone has a family. God's desire is for children to be brought in families. And I believe we can be a part of that. The word of God goes on to say that all of God's people are going to declare an agreement with that. They're going to say amen to the idea of helping children and orphans and foreigners and widows. James says it this in James 1, 27, religion that our father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after widows and orphans in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Guys, there's a higher level than just coming to a building and hearing a preacher and maybe singing a few songs. While this has value, God says there's a high value, a pure value to meeting the needs of widows and orphans. That's really what religion is about. It's about relationships with people that are hurting. It's about meeting the needs of someone who can't help themselves. So let me ask you, how can you help the orphan or the widow? That's complicated. How can you be a friend to the foreigner? Uh, That's political. No, it's biblical. God is calling us to serve those who are hurting. But how can we get involved? Man, this month is Foster Awareness Month, and I want to share with you and celebrate the Restore Network. I don't know if you've heard of the Restore Network, but there was kind of a portion of it that was launched out of our, our church years ago, and then we joined forces with the Restore Network, and it is growing because the needs of children in our region and the world are growing in foster care. We, ha- uh, we are a great hub for Restore Network. We have champions that are volunteers in our midst, but we need your help. Now, not that all of you are going to get plugged into Restore Network, but if you don't know it is what it is, I would like you to watch this video and see if some of these volunteering aspects couldn't be a part of your service to the kingdom. Watch this video.
My name is Terry Hopwood, and I want to tell you a story that comes from Exodus 3. There was a man whose name was Moses who got in some trouble in Egypt, and so he ran away to a far-off desert. He was hiding from God there. He became a shepherd, he started a family, and all was right with him. But as you know, and I know, and Jonah knows, you can't hide from God. And God found Moses in that desert, and he said, I've got a job for you. I want you to go to the most powerful man in the world, and I want you to tell him what I want him to do. And then you go to my people. There's two million of them, and they haven't heard from me for 400 years, but I want you to tell them what I want them to do as well. Moses was horrified. He said, I'm not the guy for that job. I can't do that. I am not gifted in speaking. I don't have the right tools. Go find somebody else. But God said to him, Moses, what do you have in your hand? Moses looked down and he had his shepherd's staff in his hand. And you know, a shepherd's staff is really just a great big stick. God said to him, Moses, use that. Well, I know about Restore Network and I know about its mission and everything about it speaks to my heart. But you see, I'm a 62-year-old retired widow. I'm not in a position to foster, but the stories still haunt me. And God reminded me of the story of Moses. And I wondered, what is it that I've got in my hand? I have a weird thing in my hand. I make parties. I make Christmas parties and wedding parties and anniversary parties and birthday parties and small group parties. I own 200 candlesticks. Who does that? I do. Hmm. You'll never guess what. They needed parties. They needed a Christmas party for 300 people. They needed a fundraising party where people could come and hear about the ministry of Restore Network. They needed 200 and what I found is as I joined my big stick with other people's big stick who also were not in a position to foster, we did amazing things. I love knowing that there's a whole group of people besides just me helping this one family. I personally saw how a CASA volunteer could make a difference in a child's life and so that made me excited to become a CASA volunteer. I'm really passionate about abiding with people and especially abiding with children and families and that's something that I see that Restore does really well. It's a way that I can help a family have an opportunity maybe to spend some more quality time with the new foster child when they come in, maybe get some rest, go to appointments and then my uh, meal just gives them an opportunity to just have some time to breathe. But what I've seen is that for a foster and adoptive family to be successful um, they need to have support. They need to have someone that's walking alongside them. They need to have someone that understands what it's like, um, but also can just meet basic needs. So sometimes it might just be providing a meal. Sometimes it's emotional support. Sometimes it's prayer. Um, and so the Restore Network provides all of that. And so it's something that I knew was really important and I just wanted to be a part of. So it was an easy decision for us to decide to sign up and become a monthly sponsor as a champion of hope to promote and support this great work. Hundreds of meals are prepared and delivered every year. Clothes are purchased and distributed. School supplies are purchased and distributed. We have date nights for mom and dads where we keep the children and they get to go and have fun. There is training and hope and support given to foster parents, all because people like me, who are not in a position to foster, said to God, I've got this big stick. Can you use it? Come to the party with us. You're gonna really love the centerpieces. Maybe you're not in a position 
to be a foster parent. But you can come alongside uh, these families, th this network, to provide all the things they talked about and more. And you can do that by, by asking some questions to the office, by talking to some of the people that uh, are passionate about that. Sabrina Ravisky is our current representative. Nick Cease has done that for years. So talk to them and get plugged in. It's time for us to make a difference right here where we live for, for children that are hurting without moms and dads. You might say, well, that, that's all a little bit too intimidating for me, but I would like to make a, a start. On the way out, you can also pick up a baby bottle. You're like, well, that's strange. It's empty. And we would like you to go fill that up with change or, or some other resources to, to provide uh, a blessing to the, the local pregnancy center. We're, we're also emphasizing uh, today the fact that we're partners with the pregnancy center because there are children that need our help. But if you're human, there's a point where you ask yourself this question, what's in it for me? If I volunteered the Restore Network, if I fill this baby bottle, what's in it for me? While we're human, that's the question we ask. It's really the wrong question because Jesus says over and over again, well, he's come to serve, not to be served. And it was never about him at all. It was always about us. So when we follow his footsteps, we need to be asking, how can we be a blessing to others no matter whatever happens to us? But no matter how old, no matter how mature we become, we can become tempted. And what do I get? If this is how you're at at any given moment, we need to rest with this. But we're really no different than the disciples. The disciples often struggled with this idea of what they were going to get out of following Jesus. Yeah, the, the original 12 disciples, they often thought, we, we can read between the lines, they thought they were going to be in an earthly kingdom on earth, that Jesus would become king on earth and they would be his his right hand men and his left hand and, and they would establish a, a political party and they would rule on earth and there would be very much advantage to being a part of Jesus' kingdom on earth. I wonder how often we lose sight of what Jesus' purpose is in our lives. While we realize that his kingdom is in heaven, we, we often want to think, if I follow you, Lord, what's the blessing going to be me, for me right now? And we miss the point just like the early disciples and what Jesus did often when people weren't getting it. Hey, these men followed Jesus for three years and yet there were times when they were totally lost. Jesus slowed down to tell them a story. Last week we read one of his longer stories, a parable called the parable of the Good Samaritan. Today we're going to read one of his shorter stories. It's a parable you may have never heard of. In fact, in my Bible, in Luke chapter 17, verse 7, it's not even highlighted as a story at all. It just is a part of the text. Now, you may have a Bible that says, hey, this is a parable. My Bible doesn't even acknowledge as a parable, but it is. It's the parable of the unworthy servant. It's only three verses long. And Jesus is trying to make a point that as we serve in his kingdom, we're only doing our duty. We're not doing it for prestige or power or some prize, but we're only doing what we've been asked in response to how we've already been blessed. The disciples didn't get it, and if you don't, it's okay. But let's have a turning point today where we understand our purpose. Look at the story that Jesus tells. Before he tells the story, he, he's, just, uh, he's just asking the disciples, he says, okay, uh, by the way, you need to forgive uh, somebody who sins against you seven times, even in one day. And they're like, man, are we really going to do that? What, what's in it for us if we keep forgiving? He says, well, you forgive again. And they're just not getting it. And here's what he says. Suppose one of you had a servant plowing or looking after sheep. Would he say to the servant when he's coming from the fields, come along now and sit down to eat? Would he not rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me 
while I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Would he thank the servant because he has done what he is told to do? Notice he doesn't even answer that question. So also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Now, I know this is hard to get excited about. Whatever I do is just a duty and there's not going to be any reward. There's not going to be any praise. We shouldn't even ask for any uh, thanksgiving. We're only doing what we're supposed to do. And that's the point Jesus is making. There are times when, when we do something extraordinary and we just say, I've done this because Jesus asked me to. This is really stepping on the disciples' toes because uh, they're wanting Jesus to set up this kingdom on earth and then they're going to have all these rewards and and prizes and and positions based on how well they've served him. And Jesus says, no, it's not about that. It's about doing just what's right. I wonder why you get caught up in doing what you do sometimes. I imagine it's very difficult to, to... Uh, do things as humans and think, well, what's in it for me? And and Jesus is using a very specific word here in the Greek language. It's doulos. And while the NIV translated a servant, it's really translated in the original language as a slave. Jesus is saying, if any of you have a slave, you realize the slave does what the master does. And the slave is just thankful for anything the master blesses him with. Nothing of this is based on anything the master has to do. But when the master allows him to be a part of it, it's just a blessing that flows from the master. Christ is trying to show us that there needs to be a total commitment and devotion to his work. And we do it because it's our honor, not because it's our obligation. We don't deserve any special reward, but we're just saying, Father, thank you for allowing us to do what you've called us to do. Jesus uh, is taking service to another level here with his disciples. Honestly, a lot of times when we talk about service, we talk about feeding uh, maybe the hungry or, or spending time with the child who is lonely or, or maybe putting shingles on a roof or changing a dirty diaper. We make it very physical and, and tangible with our hands. But Jesus here is calling the disciples to serve out of this high level, and he's talking about forgiveness. Something that I believe is much harder than a a, a position of labor, a position of giving. He says, you need to forgive seven times. They're like, but but why? He goes, because that's what you're called to do. And he tells them the story and they don't seem to understand. I wonder if you get it today. It's maybe something you were like, hey, I came here for Mother's Day and I want to be inspired. I want to feel warm and fuzzy. And what God is telling us through his word is there's things we do that we know uh, need to be done. And it's just has to, to be done. And there's no privilege to it. There's no, there's no honor in it. It is just what our duty is. And he says, suppose one of you had a servant. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I've never had a servant. Uh, these guys would have understand a, a, a servant or a slave. So I'd like to ask you if you've ever had one of these people in your life suppose one of you ever had a teacher who in here has ever had a teacher you can relate to that I hope Uh, my teacher I'd like to share with you today his name's Mr. Cavanaugh or Big Albert or Big Mr. K he he was a longtime teacher in the Bar Reef school system he he taught uh, government and economics for uh, juniors and seniors but what he really is known for is on the basketball court because he coaches fifth and sixth grade basketball and he has for 60 years He started right out of college, and he, while he's retired from teaching, he is still very much a part of the program in Bar-Eve High School. He's impacted hundreds, if not thousands, of lives. His investment in the community has changed lives and has changed the culture of the community. He's changed my life. I can remember as a a fifth-grade basketball player coming into a Saturday morning practice, 
And it was a high level of commitment. I mean, uh, he, he sat me down the first Saturday and he goes, Tyson, are you here for basketball? Or are you still thinking about Saturday morning cartoons? I mean, it was serious. Uh, one time I fouled a guy and I, after the play was over, I went and apologized. He goes, you've got to toughen up, Tyson. You don't, you don't apologize after a foul. You just go on and play the game. And there was a lot of things to learn. He, he took things very serious. But he has served that community extremely well. After he retired from teaching, he moved just down the hall from his classroom to a closet. The school gave him a closet to continue to volunteer because I believe he still does uh, the school yearbook. He, he does the school scholarship program all as a volunteer. And his impact continues. From a fifth grade basketball player up to a, a junior in high school, I was in his class and it was time for me to do my first speech ever. And I went to him after class. I said, I do not do public speaking. He says, Tyson, you're going to be able to get through this. Here, here's the requirement. Here, here's what you can do. It was supposed to be like a, a five-minute speech, and, and I did my very best, and I got three minutes under my belt, and he gave me a passing grade. That's what I deserved. But he was an encourager. He was a guy that, that really made a difference. I don't know if you know a teacher like that who just went above and beyond the extra mile, and he is still in a position of service in Montgomery, Indiana, in a small room, doing whatever he can to impact the community. He never looked for praise or honor, but you know what they named recently the, the gymnasium in Montgomery, Indiana? It's now called Kavanaugh Court because a whole generation of people and educators realize that this man's service goes well beyond anything that was required. So it should be with us. When we're serving, we should do it out of loyalty and honor you should not say, hey, I'm doing it for show or attention, but, but say that I was called to serve and I want to do my very best. I, I don't deserve any special thanks or, or for serving well. Here's what the word of God says in Romans 12. If one of you has the gift of serving, he should serve. If one has the gift of teaching, he should teach. Are you using your gifts for the sake of the kingdom? If you've had a teacher, you may have seen someone go the extra mile to build you up. I wonder what you can do with your gifts to build someone else up. Jesus says, suppose one of you had a servant or slave. I wonder, uh, suppose you had had a maintenance man. I had a maintenance man once, not a personal maintenance man, but his name was Alan Taylor. He was the longtime maintenance man at Lincoln Christian College and Seminary. Uh, and this is a picture of Alan. He retired, I believe, from farming in 1972 at the regular retirement age, and he began to work at Lincoln Christian College as our custodian and maintenance man. And he served uh, at Lincoln from 1972 to the year 2000, the year I graduated. During those years, he did anything and everything across that campus. He had this golf cart fully set up with tools and, and light bulbs and switches and fuses. He, he was a traveling uh, like repairman on this golf cart. Do you know his salary? What it was from 1972 to the year 2000 for being a full-time maintenance man, 40, 50, 60 hours a week was $1 a year. He volunteered his time from 1972 to 2000. On the year I graduated, he retired from that position in July, and then he passed away in September 2000, dedicating much of his life to the service of college students in the community and his church. 
uh, the, there's, a, there's a hall uh, at Lincoln Christian College named after him, now Taylor Hall. There's this, this thread that goes between Mr. Cavanaugh and Mr. Taylor. Because of their years of service, because of their sacrifice, people have said, even though they weren't looking for praise and honor, this person has made an impact. While there may never be an, uh, a building with my name or your name on it, are we going to make an impact for the sake of the kingdom? Our attitude should be the same. So when we're serving, we do it out of loyalty and honor. Not doing it out of, for show or attention, but because we're called to serve and to do our very best. Saying, I don't deserve any special thanks for serving the Lord. Here's what Jesus says in Mark 9. If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and servant of all. The disciples were all caught up in having this high position of power. And Jesus said time and time again, if you really want to have a, a great position in the kingdom, you've got to become the servant of all. Man, let that be a reminder to you today. Suppose you know an amazing volunteer. Many of you have worked with volunteers, but every once in a while you work with those superstar volunteers. I've been around at least a few right here at Greenville and in Hersher. But the one I want to highlight today, this amazing volunteer is Alice Brown. Alice, if you are listening to this message, I, I pray that you're blessed right now. And I want to th say thank you to your service to Hersher Christian Church for years. During my time at Hersher, as uh, for many of those years, as the only pastor during, uh, on, on staff, she was the best assistant volunteer I could have. At times, she was the secretary, a Sunday school teacher, custodian, a janitor, a cook, a VBS director, a maintenance lady, a hospital chaplain alongside me, a church taxi, a security watchman a Wednesday night food coordinator, an in-house poet, a personal counselor to me. And when Tiffany was away, she was my boss. She was all those things and more. And she did that all out of her love and service. I believe she cleaned the church more than most people even came to church for worship. And I did the math, the estimation over 13 years when she was in charge of a Wednesday night meal program, she made over 600 meals for hungry kids and families and received nothing in return. Alice never looked for glory or praise or prestige, but at just the right time, she would give love to build others up. There was a time during my ministry in Hersher, it was probably year five or six, and I was feeling a little overwhelmed. Um, she was in the church making a meal for Wednesday night, and I just happened to go into the heart of the, the church, into the kitchen, and she said hello, and I said hi, and she said, Tyson, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing okay. No, she said, Tyson, how are you really doing? I don't know what she sensed, uh, but she began to have me share with her. And before long, I was sobbing to her and she was being my counselor in the kitchen while she was stirring up a soup. She was a woman who, who just had the ability to love on you and meet your needs. And here's what she would say. So sh should it be with you when serving, do it out of loyalty and honor. You should never do it out of desire for show or attention but because you're called to serve and do your very best and saying, I don't deserve any special thanks or service to, for serving others. I would like to say thank you to people like Alice and Hersher and people right here that go the extra mile to use their gifts. Here's what first Peter says. Peter writes these words. God has given each of you whether your name is Albert, Allen, or Alice, he's given each of you a gift uh, through the great variety of spiritual gifts and use them to serve one another. Jesus modeled it. The word of God talks about all through scripture and we're called to improve our serve by doing our very best to serve others. 
No matter if you're a teacher, a maintenance man, or, or, or simply a volunteer, God's calling us to get busy for the sake of the kingdom. Jesus said, suppose one of you had a servant. Suppose one of you had a mother. Most of us uh, not only have a mother, we know our mother. Here, here's a picture of my mom. Her name's Mickey Graber. And I found this picture this week. I was looking through some pictures for her. I, I did this one because I've got my Dukes of Hazard shirt on. It's just it's a proud moment to wear it. I don't know where that shirt's at, by the way. It's a few years ago, you can probably tell. But I'm so thankful for my mom. All of us have had a mom. But my mom was the greatest example of a Christ-like servant that I've ever seen. And I believe not only for us as children, but, but for the church and the community, she would constantly go the extra mile to, to love on others, to model uh, the attitude of Christ, to, to put others' needs ahead of her own. She's not a perfect lady in any way, shape, or form, but day in and day out, she would serve others for the glory of God, and she loved doing it. I think I'm most clearly saw it displayed to me during supper time, night after night after night. I didn't always know it was happening, but looking back on it, there was a moment when it triggered me that the, the, the willingness to sacrifice was, was amazing. Here's how it usually went at supper time. She would prepare the meal, and about the time the meal was ready, it was out on the, on the counter, and, and she would call us all, all in, uh, my sister Tasha and brother Logan and dad. We'd all kind of be seated, and we'd wait there a few minutes, and she'd kind of be setting the table, finishing things up. And then she would ask one of us to pray. And before she sat down, we just began to consume the food. I mean, we were pretty bad at this. She would go on to continue things in the kitchen. Two or three more minutes to go by, we'd ask her to come in and eat. Maybe five or six minutes would go by, and then she'd finally sit down. By this time, my brother and I were almost done. But more times than not, she would sit down, and we'd kind of look over the food there before us. And whatever meat it was, whether it was fish or chicken or a steak or, or meatloaf, whatever it was, whatever the, the main uh, helping was, there would maybe just be a few pieces left. You know that awkward moment where no one, you didn't want to take the last piece? And often we'd realize mom had not even had the first piece for herself. And she'd be making her plate with kind of the sides and whatever was there. And she would just kind of let that main, most cherished piece of, of whatever the menu was just sit there waiting for someone else to take it. And we'd say, no, mom, you take it. And what she would generally do most of the time is she would take that last piece or two and then cut it up on her own plate and then disperse it to the others in the room. And after a little bit of refuting, I would generally eat it. And you know, at this point, I feel pretty rotten about that. But that's what mom would want. That's what she wanted time after time, looking to serve us, not looking for her own interest. And there was a moment in time whenever I realized she saw that, looked at me, and then handed it away freely without any reservation. You may think that's not a big deal, but to do that for 15, 20 years, that's the attitude of a servant. I wonder if you display that. Here's what my mom would tell you. That's the way it should be with all of us, that we would serve out of love, not looking for any special thanks or praise. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I just want to say thank you for modeling a servant's heart time and time again. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 22. For who is greater? The disciples are like, okay, tell us, who's greater? Is it going to be Peter? Is it going to be John? And here's what he says, the one who is at the table or the one who serves. They're like, well, of course it's the one at the table, the one who has the head seat. And Jesus says, no, it's not the one at the table, but I'm the one among the one who serves. The greatest is the one who serves. 
Remember, Jesus says, suppose one of you have a servant. I want to end with this. Suppose one of you have a savior. The savior is not Albert. It's not Alan. It's not Alice. It's not my mom for sure. You know, the savior is mine. It's Jesus Christ. It's the only savior that's real. Uh, and he's the one who came to earth, not to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, many of you know the story, but hang with me. Jesus Christ so loved you that he left his position in heaven at, at the, the right hand of God on the throne. He came down to be our servant and to make himself a sacrifice on the cross to, so our sins could be washed away so that we could be with him forever. Do you know him? Because if your life really wants to be changed, if it wants to be impacted, if you're ever going to fall in his footsteps, you first have to allow him to be your sacrifice so that you could be saved and accept him as your savior. And he gives us this clear command here to go and do likewise, to be a servant so it should be with us when given the chance to serve that we should faithfully follow the Father with pure and unselfish motives. Because here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 20. He says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. For just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, if you really want to be great, if you really want to have value, uh, the reward is likely not to be on earth. It may even mean you, you go hungry a few meals. It may mean you, you put yourself in a lower position than you ever thought was, was possible. But there will be a blessing in heaven that, that is going to take you to a greater place than you could have ever imagined as you first make yourself a servant. And follow the footsteps of Jesus. Jesus understood the heart of the problem here uh, wasn't that we're not willing to do things. It was that we ha have a selfish desire uh, to, 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 to put our own interest in ahead of others. And we need to realize that we're only doing the duty of someone who's already been saved, already been served by him. This past week on social media, I was asked this question based on last week's sermon. Uh, on social media, uh, I showed a picture of the towel that we shared and invited anyone to get a towel. And then I just put this acrostic, uh, allow your schedule to be adjusted to serve. Open your eyes to the needs. Uh, use your resources. Uh, be willing to volunteer and be ready to show empathy. And someone said, does that mean you'll come and serve my neighbor who's black? Does that mean you're going to come and serve my neighbor who's gay or my neighbor who's Muslim? Those were the three questions. And evidently that person didn't hear the message because we covered that there is no guideline. There's no boundary. There's no limitation to who we're to serve. In fact, oftentimes our greatest impact will be when we serve those who don't expect to be served. When we serve those who have been pushed away, have been marginalized, have been ignored, oftentimes by the church. And when we step up and serve them, no matter their, their uh, uh, agendas, no matter their political party, or even the sin they're living in, when we serve them, God can move in their hearts and their minds. Does it mean we'll serve all? Absolutely. Our mission is to love God, love people, and to serve all. No limitations for the sake of God's glory. I wonder who you're serving. But to really serve the way Jesus has, you first have to be served by him. 
I want to celebrate this last week in a message that was primarily about service. There was a young lady here, a new resident at Eden's Glory. Eden's Glory does a great ministry, a whole nother topic for another day. But she was here from Eden's Glory. And after 11 o'clock service, she says, I want to be baptized today because I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. And she was. Let's praise God for that. That's amazing. You may be a lot like this young lady. She's 18. Maybe you're 88. You're, you're a great grandmother. You're here today and you realize you've never made Jesus Lord. It's time for you to, to make him Lord to be baptized. Today is the day. And it puts you in a position to serve like you're unable to now because it's often about, well, what can I get? Here's what we need to realize. When we've been served by Jesus and saved, everything is an awesome opportunity, not, a, not an obstacle, not an obligation, but just our response in love. Would you stand with me as we sing? Father in heaven, lead us today. Let us be drawn to the, the desire to serve because we have first been served by your love. I thank you for people like Albert and Alan and Alice and my mom. And most of all, we thank you for Jesus. Help us to be more like those who serve and willingly give of themselves for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.